Welcome to The Bethany Shipley Show. So today we're going to take a deep dive into miscarriage and I'm going to share my experiences. I want to preface this by saying if you have trauma that is um, relevant right now and that this would not be a good idea, please feel free to turn this off and listen to it another time um, or don't listen to it at all. But for me, one of the most helpful things when I was in the throes of dealing with a miscarriage and um, just like the reality of what was happening, one of the things that really helped me was listening to other people's stories and was connecting with those stories. So that's what I, my purpose for sharing this is to keep the, the wound alive in a way that keeps me connected to the feelings that are definitely still there and to also hopefully help, um, help, help other people who might be going through or have gone through a similar experience. So my first miscarriage, um, obviously they're they're all unexpected, but I feel like the first is even more unexpected because you don't really know that there's a problem, at least for me. I didn't know there was a problem. I didn't know I was high, high risk. I didn't know my body was not producing the right amount of hormones at the right time. And so we went in for just a routine, we're going to check the blood blood work and and they at you know asked me how I was feeling I told them I'm feeling horrible and I'm just you know feeling like I'm almost getting better like I'm at that place where transitioning into the second trimester and they asked me if I wanted to hear the heartbeat with a Doppler which of course I was like yeah I totally do so they pulled out this little handheld thing and then um you know like put the gel on my stomach and then put the Doppler on my stomach and we didn't hear anything. I mean, it was just kind of like a bunch of, you know, static. And they said, you know, if we don't hear anything, it's okay. Cause there's a lot of times where the baby's positioned in a way where you really just can't hear the heartbeat. And I thought, okay, no problem. And I thought, gosh, I'm so sick. I feel so horrible that surely there's like, I just, I really didn't have I really didn't think there was anything wrong. So they asked me if I wanted to wait to the end of the day to do an ultrasound or or do it the next day. And I said, oh my gosh, well, I want to do it today because I can't sleep without knowing. And so they snuck me in at, right at the end of the day at 5 p.m. I think at that point it was like maybe 2 o'clock. So we had to leave the hospital and then come back. And when I went into the ultrasound room, I expected everything to be fine. And I was really excited because I... I just had this feeling that I was about to see, you know, the baby and like it was going to be this great moment the first time. And instead of seeing a heartbeat, we just, there was just this kind of silence in the room. And I'll never forget Jackie is is the ultrasound tech's name at the hospital that I was at. And she was just quiet and she was graceful and she was measuring things and she was looking, but it didn't take very long for me to realize that something was wrong. And I guess I had always imagined that a miscarriage would look um, specifically like you start bleeding or, you know, you have horrible abdominal cramps and then you go to the hospital or the emergency room and like almost just that it had to be this traumatic thing. And so to be in that moment and realize like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Um, my chin just started to like shrivel and I 
looked at my husband. We were just, we were both just in disbelief. We could not believe that it was happening, that this was, this had happened and we didn't even know. Looking back, I know when I miscarried, um, the night before we left for a trip, I was sitting on the couch and I was having extreme back pain. It was like the sides, lower sides of my back, like the muscles in my back were just like cramping and like just squeezing so tightly. And I mentioned it to my mother-in-law and later she told me she wondered if that was what was happening. So the next day we were actually going to a wedding and I was in the wedding and we were sitting, I was sitting up at the front of the wedding and what, during the wedding, it was an outdoor wedding, it was really hot and I just remember feeling lightheaded and like something wasn't right, but I had no idea, you know, that it was pregnancy related. I just thought maybe it's a lot of stress. I was also, again, super sick and just did not feel well. So um, looking back, it makes sense and... Part of that is when you're talking about having a subsequent pregnancy, um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump forward here for a second because I think this is super relevant. When when you're talking about having a subsequent pregnancy, all of the symptoms and all of the signs that you're not really sure were related to the pregnancy or were related to the miscarriage, you didn't know which symptoms were coming from which thing. Um, it's really it's really challenging. Because then every sign or every symptom you have feels like it could be a miscarriage. So we found out that this baby didn't have a heartbeat. And then they basically just, the the doctor was not there at the office anymore. And they said, go home, come back tomorrow, and we'll figure out a plan. I I left that office um, not able to make eye contact with another human being. Um, I was just on the verge of crying. I did not want to tell my family. I did not want to tell anyone. It was just like the most heartbreaking situation. It was so disappointing. And my husband and I, we we got in the car and we just started driving. And I said, I do not want to go home. I just want to drive. Um, I just need to like be out. I just need to think, you know? And so we just started driving and talking and crying. And I just kept saying like, I just can't believe this is happening. I just cannot believe that this is reality. And, um, the next, that night, it was like, I was frustrated with my body because not only did it not do what it was supposed to do in maintaining the actual pregnancy but it also wasn't doing what it was supposed to do now which was let the baby go like it's not it's not having a heartbeat it's not viable so can we just deal with this and um i guess that's really common i didn't know that then but it's really common so the next day i went back to meet her and the doctor and the doctor was she's so she, she's one of those doctors who, like, I think she probably assumes that it would be comforting to the mother to say that this happens all the time. And for some people, I'm sure that is really comforting to be like, oh, I'm not alone. This happens all the time. But I was livid. And I wasn't mad at her. I was mad that she, it didn't feel validated. It didn't feel like a real life. It didn't feel like that I was actually going through something really significant it felt like um it felt like she saw this all the time and it was just another miscarriage story 
And so I, yeah, I just remember leaving that office with an option that she said I could either pick up this prescription that would basically alter my body's hormones to put me into labor. Um, It could be painful. It would be a situation, anything, I guess, past around eight weeks, your body has to contract and push um, the same way it does in like a full-term labor. And so um, I had this prescription or I had the option of doing a, what they call a DNC, which is where you, um, the, the doctor surgically removes the fetus and takes care of everything while you're unconscious. Originally, I decided to fill the prescription. I went and got the prescription and started taking it and I started spotting um, after about six hours and having extreme cramping and just not feeling good at all. And then, um, eight hours, 12 hours, 16 hours, 24 hours, two days, three days, four days of this, like just horrific, horrific experience. And I, it was like, my body wouldn't do it. Like it wouldn't let go. And so I, met a a woman at this time who was uh, all into these things called essential oils. I had never heard of them before. She got me hooked up with some oils for hormones. I was learning about all of that and simultaneously like extremely impatient and ready for this thing to be completely over. And so I ended up calling the doctor and saying, okay, I've been on this for a week. I know that this is not supposed to go this long. Um, I'd like to schedule a DNC. So I scheduled the DNC, went in, had the surgery, um, woke. The surgery actually wasn't super invasive. They don't have to make any incisions. They go um, they go up through the provided way <laughs> and... Um, And then they do what they need to do while you're unconscious. And when I woke up, I was extremely groggy. I mean, like so tired. My throat hurt really bad because they have to, you know, help you breathe. And um, I just went home and went straight to bed. During that time, my husband was my rock. He helped me to and from the car. He helped me get my medicine. He helped me eat. And um, for about a day, I felt that really extreme grogginess. But knowing that the process was over and knowing that everything had been taken care of was extremely like refreshing to me because I was ready for it to be done. I have never had someone close to me pass away, um, but I would imagine that that's probably the same feeling as the funeral where you are shocked, you're devastated, and then it's just like, we need to have closure. We need to like finish this thing. And so... Um, that was what the DNC was for me. And I was so grateful for that. And the doctor who did it was actually, ironically, the same doctor who then delivered my son Moses, which was my, my next pregnancy. So I had this next pregnancy. And of course, the whole first trimester, I was just terrified. Um, I was sure that something was wrong. So it was at this point that I ended up doing some research on progesterone and I learned about low progesterone, high, uh, high estrogen and kind of what that does in pregnancy. And one of the most frustrating things was when I brought this up to the medical professionals where I was going to see, uh, to get care, they just kind of acted like I was a total 
like dummy, like that I was like some young mom reading Google and I didn't have any valid points, which was so interesting because what I was reading was like studies conducted by actual scientists that were cited that were talking about progesterone. So when I got pregnant again with my son Moses, I called and I asked to see the specific labs that were my progesterone labs for my son Moses for this pregnancy. And they, they just laughed at me. Like he, he was like, you know, the, the nurse that answered the phone said, this has nothing to do with, um, pregnancy. Like you don't even need project, like you don't need progesterone. If it's low, it's no big deal. And I was like, that's not true though. This is the studies that, these are the studies that I'm reading. And I'm curious, what is the number? It's my labs. And I got feisty and I don't get feisty often, but I'm like, I'm terrified that I'm going to miscarry again. So I ended up, um, sure enough, I sure enough ended up getting my lab work and my progesterone was way too low. It was, I want to say a four or a five, which is like way too low in pregnancy. So I asked to speak with the doctor and the doctor didn't validate my concerns, but she also was like, okay, well, it can't hurt. We'll just give you pregnant. We'll just give you progesterone prescription. I knew that the progesterone prescription that I received was not high quality and I knew there were risks involved, but I was also just in a place where I was terrified and I really, really, really wanted a successful pregnancy. So I ended up taking that progesterone and having a successful pregnancy in there. I had Moses. So I wanted to throw that progesterone info in there in case any of you maybe have that same thing and you haven't even looked into that yet. But, um, Yeah, so then I got pregnant again and miscarried at like four and a half weeks. I had only found, I I had seriously just found out that I was pregnant. And um, this is not to say that if you miscarry early, it's not hard. Um, Because gosh, everyone's story is different. And I know that it can be so challenging for, for people no matter when. For me, that one was not as emotionally hard just because I think I... I was still in shock that I was actually pregnant, but I did get pregnant a few months later after that. And that one, we were like, okay, this is happening. And, um, I was about eight weeks pregnant when same story, I went in for my checkup. They tried to do a Doppler. Maybe I was nine weeks. I tried to do a Doppler, couldn't find the heartbeat, ended up with the ultrasound and confirmed my worst nightmare, which again was that I had miscarried. And instead of doing the DNC this time, I decided to um, let it happen naturally with also having um, the the inducing pill. So I waited it out for a few days and then I got the inducing pill. And this one was challenging like on an emotional level because I actually had to deal with seeing it. When I was in surgery, the doctor dealt with it. And when I was uh, laboring on my own at my house, I had to deal with it and I had to see it and I had to feel the pain and I had to do all of this with a baby. And my husband and I have grown so much in our ability to communicate with each other, especially through crisis. But at that time, we didn't know kind of how to be there for each other. And so I was like inside in labor and Eli was like mowing the lawn and like, in his own turmoil outside. So we were just separate. And I don't think that was healthy for us, but we just didn't know. I didn't know how to say, hey, I need you here. And he didn't know how to say, I need time alone. So that was that was rough. Um, it was tough, but we got through it. And we were actually in a season of transition. We were selling our house and moving into 
uh, Eli's parents' basement while we bought a fixer-upper and so he could work on it and in the interim we would live with his parents. Which in hindsight was actually so great because we needed their support. We just didn't know it yet. So we moved into their house a week after I had delivered the baby and um, I felt like things were good but I hormonally didn't feel right and about three weeks after we moved in, in the middle of the night, I woke up with, and this is going to be a little graphic, so do what you need to do, but I woke up with like a gush of blood and I immediately went to the restroom and like quickly realized this is not normal. I need to be seen. I cannot live, like I cannot live very long with this. And so I ran and told Eli, we need to go to the the emergency room. Something is not right. And I was having extreme cramping. Um, and, ext- and I was just, oh, it was horrible. And so we got in the car. Eli ran up to his parents and said, hey, can you keep Moses for the night? They said yes. And we went and he drove me to the hospital. By the time I got to the hospital, I was passing out, vomiting, bleeding everywhere. I had soaked through like the biggest pad ever. And you women know how big those pads come. Like <laughs> my body was doing something. So I, um, they, they immediately got me hooked up to everything that I needed. And, um, I, the, the last thing I remember is just getting morphine and just like crying thankful tears because I was in so much pain. I got up to go to the restroom when I got stable and ended up passing a clot that was like the size of a football. So I don't know what happened, but my body thought it would be cool if we kept collecting tissue and creating this thing that was not a baby, but I had all the hormones of being pregnant still and all that. So maybe like somewhat of a chemical pregnancy. So yeah, that was intense. And I immediately like the next day called my mom and I was like, mom, I need you to come. Like, I need you to come. And she was in a really stressful time in her life. And she was like, baby, I can't come. Like, I, obviously she was heartbroken that I I was going through this. But she's like, I cannot come right now. Like, stuff's happening with your other siblings. Like, I can't leave right now. And I was, I literally told her, I don't care. Like, what is going on? I need you here. (laughs) And now I'm like, wow, I was such a brat. But she ended up coming for five days and it was one of the best things because I just needed a break from standing up, getting up and around. I was tired. I was emotional. I was, you know, I just needed my mom. So that was really great. And actually that was the last miscarriage that I had. Um, After that, I had my sweet daughter, Lennon, and then Mac. And then now here we are in 2020 having baby number four pregnancy number seven but to the mama who is going through miscarriage or has been through miscarriage I just want to give you a big 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 hug through this phone or whatever you're listening through and tell you that I'm really really sorry that that happened and I'm sorry that you've had to feel those feelings of regret and guilt and shame and inadequacy and I'm sorry that although the world moves on you have to live with the fact that you didn't have what could have been and from another from another mama to you um 
it it gets easier and it comes in waves, you know? It's like when it first happens, it's a shock wave and then just as it always happens with waves, there will be moments of calm and then it'll hit again and another wave will hit and that's okay, that's normal, that's part of the grieving process and um, yeah, get yourself a good support system and find someone who's been through a miscarriage even if you have to ask on Facebook like, any of my friends been through a miscarriage, um, I'd love to chat about it or, or something like that because having support in a time like that can mean the world. So one other thing I want to add before we wrap up is that these stories that we have are what we connect to other people with. And if there's ever a way that you can share your story in an authentic way and really like get real with your emotions, it could help so many people. And so I encourage you when the time is right to plan to do that and connect with other moms and be kind of that lighthouse for them that you needed and I needed when we were going through it. (sighs) Thanks for listening. I know you have a lot of things that you could be doing and the fact that you listen to this podcast means a lot to me. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me. Blessings.